Welcome to On Point. I'm your host, Richard Sanvenero. And with us today, we have Commissioner Jeff Holcomb from District 4, Hernando County. Thanks, Rich. Very good to be here. Thank you very much, Commissioner, for coming uh, in this election year. Uh, let's start off. Our, our listeners uh, and viewers want to know who the man Jeff Holcomb is. So with that, let's get started with our questions. Okay. How about, Mr. Holcomb, where were you born? Well, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and my family grew up in Laurel, Maryland, which is about halfway between Baltimore and Washington, uh, just a few minutes off of Interstate 95, which oh. comes all the way down here. Are you an Oriole fan? I was an Oriole fan, a Cal <laughs> Ripken fan, the Iron Man, uh, definitely in the beginning. Absolutely. They don't make play ball plays like that anymore. No. Take us into Jeff Holcomb's childhood growing yeah. up in yeah, we, um, we, um, we were a single-salary household, so my, my dad worked and mom stayed home. Uh, I think I benefited, you know, I think me and my brother both benefited greatly from that. Um, you know, when one parent, you know, nothing fantastic really happened, but, you know, just knowing that you're, there's always someone there when you get home or someone there to, to, you know, help you out if you're at school or whatever to take you home when you're sick. But um, we were a single, single income, so, I mean, there wasn't a lot of extra money going around, and um, not a lot of talk of a lot of luxurious things, but, you know, my dad provided for us uh, in many ways, and so I have a lot of respect for the way he, he handled that and, and for the choices that my parents made. So like proud middle class. Proud middle class, no yeah. new cars. And That's I think the I'm one saying. time they, they bought a new car, it was a total lemon, and that was the last time for that. So it was all used cars, used, you know, a lot of things. So, so Mr. Holcomb, can I call you Jeff? Absolutely. Okay. Jeff, thank you. Uh, your educational background, uh, where you came from, can you elaborate on uh, yeah. for, our, for our viewers? Yeah, um, I started out, um, I, as I said, grew up in Maryland, and I went to a small school in Maryland called Frostburg State, um, the real FSU. Um, but uh, that, you know, I was being away from home and in the mountains of Maryland, um, wasn't a whole lot to do outside of uh, just studying. So I actually came back to a school uh, in the suburbs of Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And I was able to get back into my lifestyle, which was as a part-time job in an Italian restaurant. So, so you were taking orders or you were cooking? I did basically everything but be head chef. Okay, so you'd sample. Okay. So I'll so, try out my Italian on you. I saw another <laughs> guy do it, some Italian with you. But can you talk with your hands? That's an art. <laughs> if, if I think about it, I can. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I, most of us know that you, and thank you very much for your service, uh, you joined the Navy. Right. Take us into that part of your life. How, how we get, how did Jeff Holcomb go from the middle class yep. school and then decide, well, I'm going to go into the Navy? Yep. So um, well, I actually wrapped up my degree at the University of Maryland uh, with a degree in economics and uh, basically went to a job fair um, at my school. And, you know, this kind of, it's kind of been a, a recurring theme in my life where you know, you just get in the door with with a hard work ethic, and then from there, just things you know things just happen for you. So, um, basically, I got a job as a temp for a major company called T Rowe Price. They're in the mutual funds. Yeah. Um, started as a temp, worked six months as a temp, and then basically was able to skip a position and get hired on as a second level um, record keeping processor. And I basically went from that to uh, a company that owned the software that all of those companies use uh, when they 
do 401k processing. So it's kind of like a bank, but, but in the mutual fund industry. And then I actually ended up working for the software owner. So, so this is part of the Navy? I, uh, this, is, this is part of my civilian life okay. prior to the Navy. Um, after doing that for many years, I kind of wanted to diversify myself and uh, doing some project work, and I just started looking around. I was actually in plans to, to move to Florida, and I started seeing some job openings um, uh, listed, you know, in regular job sites for the Navy. So uh, Navy intelligence field started to appeal to me and realized that where else would you rather be if you're going to be in the intelligence field than in McDill Air Force Base in Florida. So. Great, great place. I know we can't ask you a lot of questions about the intelligence part of the Navy, but uh, basic training and your basic that the civilians would know who have not been in the military, what's that like? Uh, well, I went in as a reservist, been a reservist the whole time except for um, a couple sets of orders and, and deployment. But uh, And I started really late, so I was actually 36 when I joined. Um, so it was a little different being in basic training with uh, some folks that were 18, 19 years old, um, and then I think I was the second oldest uh, in the unit there. Uh, but it was it was a great time. Um, you know, you're you're in a situation where they're trying to break you down and, and teach you their ways. So um, it was a good learning experience. Well, I mean, any part of the team is appreciated because you need intelligence for the men and women that are in the front, and they need the intelligence right. to let them know before going to harm's way. Yep. So it's a team. I mean, that's, that's where we're a that's team. A, that's a big part of it because um, what, what basically any commanding officer wants to know is, you know, where are the threats? Where am I safe? Where am I in, you know, grave danger? Um, and that's part of the intelligence field. But what I actually focused on a lot was targeting, uh, which basically means dropping bombs, where to, where to drop them um, and doing a lot of imagery work. In, in regards to targeting. So we figure out where do we want to put the bomb and where do we not want to put the bomb based on, you know, the types of countries that we're dealing with. So basically, as a layman, uh, if you look at, you probably look at some satellite imagery yes, and try to figure out where the strategic targets would be right. uh, and, and, and safeguarding the civilians around that. That, uh, depending on the fight in the country, that was always the case. We, we never... You know, our philosophy was in targeting and, and imagery. We don't win wars by killing civilians. We win wars by killing the bad guys and empowering the civilians to then, you know, because it's really all sorts, all sorts of intelligence. It's the guys on the ground who will get the information saying, bad guys in this building, and then they'll vet that information, verify it, and they get that, um, and maybe they verify it through radio traffic, and they can tell that, indeed, the bad guy's in that building, and then it'll get to the level where the commanders can say, we have enough information to know that the bad guys are in that building. How do you want to destroy it? Do you want to turn it into rubble? Do you want to poke a hole in the building and, and just make sure everyone's in there is no longer with us? Fascinating, fascinating. Um, being in the Navy and the Reserves and, and in intelligence, uh, how did that have an impact on your family life and kids? Uh, it, it, you know, when you deploy, it's, it's obviously going to have an impact because you're going to be gone for a significant amount of time. Um, through the first, uh, let's say, probably six years. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I had my fingers crossed that I didn't get deployed because I started out as an E3 enlisted, uh, a seaman, for those who are not familiar with the ranks in the Navy. And don't want to get separated from your family when you're getting, you know, a really small paycheck. So I um, had my fingers crossed for many years that, you know, during the early times that I, that I wouldn't get deployed. 
Um, and when the time came to get more experience, um, I took some orders where I was able to commute to um, CENTCOM. And some of that targeting experience I was able to gain there. I was able to get certified as a CENTCOM imagery analyst. So very rewarding times, um, you know, being a part of the team down there. And it was, it was, it was everyone. It was Air Force, uh, Marines, uh, Army. So we, you know, we always have nice dialogue between the branches of military. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, how long is a deployment away from your family? It, um, well, specifically to the last deployment, it, and uh, it was mostly an Air Force environment, probably 60-some percent, I would say. But it really depended on your branch of the service. The Navy uh, was, a, you'd usually start with a nine, nine-month deployment, and which is what I did, and it would change usually because, I don't know, the Navy just seemed to be flexible. So mine ended up being, I think, just about a year. Uh, the Air Force, you were either a six-monther or a year, and that would never change. Um, and then some of the Army and the Marines, I think they were pretty, pretty much stuck to their set of orders, which usually were six months. Thank you again for your service. The, you. uh, how long have you, I know you can maintain current uh, Naval Reserves. Right. How long total have you been in the Reserve? It's, uh, it's been about 12 and a half years now. And, and I think the question you're kind of getting to there is, you know, I can't be uh, involved in government while I'm active duty. So there's a distinction there. Uh, as, as long as I'm a reservist uh, or retired, I can still be involved in government. Like while I was deployed, I was actually an active duty member of the Navy, and I couldn't have any, um, any ability to, you know, vote or do anything like that. Uh, and that's why when I actually got home, I didn't take any leave, um, and I had to sit there and watch two meetings. Uh, while I was using up my leave, waiting for that to end until my active duty time ended, and then I could go back to the board. Well, I wasn't going to ask that question, but that's great <laughs> that you asked that question, and, and you educated me. Thank you very much, Jeff. Uh, okay, so now you're in Florida. How long have you been in beautiful Florida? Uh, we got here uh, 2002. Uh, I think it was uh, Memorial Day. We actually moved. Um, going back a little bit, I was very familiar with this area, and specifically Citrus County, because my grandparents were uh, snowbirds there for a while, and then they became permanent residents, and then we would come and visit them once a year because everyone wants to get out of the cold and come to Florida. Absolutely. So, you know, I thought to myself, man, it would be really nice if they put a road between Citrus <laughs> and the airport, and somebody heard me. So when I, when I actually was looking closer at moving to Florida, I knew this area, and then when I saw that the Veterans Expressway was built, I think that kind of made things easier for me because I was doing some traveling at the time, but I also wanted to be uh, in a close distance to McDill Air Force Base. Absolutely. With the uh, Suncoast Parkway has definitely made a big impact for, for moving down here. Uh, we talked about you growing up, but let's talk about your wife and children. Yeah. Yeah, my wife, Stacy. We've been married uh, just over 19 years now in July. Uh, we have two daughters, uh, Ella, 16, and Bailey is 14 just getting started in Springstead, um, day two. So uh, that's going well. They're both in the IB program, so they got their smarts from their mother, I guess, because <laughs> I, I, I can remember her bringing home bags of books from the library, and I'm just like, did they? Because the, I think the library would, like, transfer the books to one library so she could just go pick them up, but I'm like, they really do that? And she's like, yeah, because bags of books that she brought home, and they, they, just, they just ate them all up, reading them nonstop, so... Well, we wish I give her all the credit for that. We wish all the students a, a good school year this year and a safe one at that. Uh, 
Was there any controversy uh, over your deployment? I don't know whether it's, if it was personal or from uh, being, because you were sitting commissioner, that you had to step down and, and be deployed. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of sad that there was, uh, there was a few people trying to come up with stories that, you know, I, I didn't go overseas, which I absolutely did. I went to the Middle East. Uh, I went to the country of Qatar. Um, they generally don't want us to, you know, explain a lot of that, but so many people who aren't involved in intelligence are actually out there that, you know, they do all the social media from their room and from walking to Chow and all that kind of stuff, so it's not really, really a secret uh, anymore where it was. But, you know, some people did some silly statements that I was in Washington or I came home on the weekends, and, you know, it's really kind of sad if you're going to, you know, try and come after someone on, on something like that. So, Well, either way, you were not coming home to your family, so... With that, right. you're, you're deployed. And again, we thank you and all the veterans, men and women, who around the world are safe to be home soon with your families. Um, and, and, and I'll just add on to that. You know, the, um, obviously the deployment's tough on the member, but it's really tough on the family members yeah. too. So. I'm sure uh, Stacy did a great job. She did. <laughs> uh, tell us something about you that we might not expect you know i kind of let into it earlier but uh i i think i'm a really good italian cook you know <laughs> we're gonna have to test you out i know there's a lot of charities in hernando county and uh i'm sure one of the is, is seeing this right now and i think you're going to be leading the uh you know the chefs of hernando all right That's all right be, I'm, you know, game I'm, on i'm in there game um, on i i don't know if you you may not remember you might not have heard about it but is it i think it was before my deployment I actually challenged the fire chief to a lasagna contest. He made a very good lasagna, but I, I think just some of my skills in the, you know, where I worked at a restaurant, they made everything from scratch. You know, there was pasta, everything you could possibly make, they made it from scratch in there. So I got some really good uh, lessons on how to make things in there. So, Well, I tell you what, if you and the fire chief can do that again, I personally will volunteer to be the taster uh of this and I'll give you, and I'll be blindfolded, okay. and I'll let you know which one tastes the best. Well, I will tell you, we actually had a meeting, a breakfast meeting this morning, the fire chief and I, and it's going to be pizza this time. Oh, so we're look, we're looking in October as a, as the date. So, um, and, and we're talk, are we talking wood fired, brick oven? You know, what are we talking about here? The only deep dish. The only crust? criteria is that it had to be made in. We're going to have it at station three. Okay. Um, firehouse. So it's got to be made there. So. Apparently, there's some plotting going on. I don't know what to... I, I, I beat him, but it, I think this is going to be the revenge cook-off is what it sounded like. I think they're really preparing. If there's two ovens, you want to make sure that you flip a coin which oven because they, they, they may do something to the oven that you may Some home use. field advantage Absolutely. There. I yeah. know I would. Oh, did I say that? That's, no. that's good thinking. <laughs> uh, what, is, what is your hobbies? you have hobbies? I mean, you don't have much time with all you do uh, in the county and, and, and all your, your, the things that you're doing in the reserves. In the little time that you have, what's, I, what's I, I guess like? I have to talk about the hobbies I used to have. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I used to, well, I've always wish I could play more golf, but I used to um, play softball a lot at Anderson Snow. Um, I still try and exercise when I can, uh, watch some sports, so I, I kind of... I used to be a big NFL fan, but, you know, with the national anthem controversy and all that, you know, 
they, they're free to make their protests in, in their form or fashion, but it doesn't need to uh, be in that fashion with the national anthem. Um, they can go, you know, go into their communities and, and figure out the things that you want to fix, you know, but not a part of the NFL, not a part of the national anthem. So well, I, I, I'm about done. There's, I think a, there's, I'm a time, done. there's a time and place for everything. Absolutely. And, and that, I don't think, is a, an appropriate time. And I, and I will tell you, I love that song coming, growing up in Baltimore, where they actually, you know, where Francis Scott Key was inspired to write the, the song, you know, uh, in Inner Harbor, Baltimore. So it means, means something very special to me. And, and to see that stuff going on, it really pains me. Again, because of the, the valor of our military men and women, still gives us the opportunity to protest. Mm -hmm. So we say thank you, and at the same time, some want to want to protest at the same time. So with, it's a double-edged sword. But we thank that we we have you know men and women for for the decades and centuries that still have that still give us that right to um, to assemble and protest. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I was deployed during the, the last 2016 election, and I was there with a you know a group of men and women in the military who were mostly, well, they were quite a bit younger than me. Um, but I was very enthused by their, their knowledge and their, their want of politics. And no one ever wanted to, you know, there was huge protests after, you know, President Trump got elected. No one was, was wanting them to not be able to protest, you know. You know but you, you got to keep it all in proportion and understand your situations. Obviously, being a military member, you're not going to be able to, you know, have that same kind of free speech that a regular citizen has because, you know, it's all, in, it's all in the good general order of the military. So, And I'm sure being in the military, um, you would know a lot of things that the civilians would not know. And sometimes if they knew, yeah. they would not think the way they do, Right. if that makes any kind of sense. I'm sure there's a lot of things that, that go, it's the same thing with law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that go on that, thankfully, we don't need to know the public. Yeah. It would be a lot of, you know. So, again, thank you and, and all first responders out there for that. Um, what, do you have time to read? And if you do, what type, <laughs> what type of books do you, I, would you read or magazines? Maybe, maybe if I, uh, you know, no, probably not. But my American Revolution is my favorite um, thing to read about, and especially um, related to you know, the divine providence, which I think, you know, this country was created in. So if I can find a story that's, you know, kind of not a national, not a well-known story, but it's a story about, you know, how at least the folks at the time think that God played a role, uh, whether it was a battle during the revolution or it was something that happened that just no other way could make any sense unless, you know, God's hand was involved. Those are the stories that, you know, that really piqued my interest, you know, especially from that standpoint in the American Revolution. Uh, and it's actually the Battle of Long Island. You know, if you ever if you ever look into it, it's very very interesting how um, George Washington and his men escaped um, back from Long Island back to Manhattan. Um, you know, it was it was through a windstorm, and that windstorm um, and a fog in a windstorm. The fog kept the British from sailing into the the channel, but the windstorm helped them get across under the cover of darkness. Otherwise, the American Revolution would have been over in the second battle right there, and it would have been defeated, and we'd all be eating tea and crumpets. And Cadbury chocolate. 
fish and chips. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, the question is, what made Jeff Holcomb decide to run for office to begin with? You know, I've always been uh, following politics, um, whether it was through, you know, the TV or talk radio, which was, you know, when you're in your late teens in college, you know, people look at you a little funny. Uh, obviously, I got it from my dad and my mom. Dad really involved with politics. Mom was not quite as vocal because I don't know if she could be as vocal as him. But, but you know what? You just get to the point where it's like, you know, yelling at the radio, yelling at the TV does not get anything done. So, you know, I knew with my economic background that this county was coming out of, you know, a downturn. So I said, why not? Why not now? Um, saw that there was an opening uh, that, you know, wasn't going to face an incumbent. Uh, talked to some people who really know politics and said, if you're going to run, you need to do X, Y, Z. And I said, well, I can do X, Y, Z because I can't do ABC. They're like, yep, well, if you do those and you do them well, you got a chance. And I won by 79 votes in the Republican primary of 2014. What did you see in a political forum at that time that say, you know what, hey, I can, I can get in there and I can make a difference for Hernando County, for the citizens of Hernando County, for the children of Hernando County, and, and, and help mold the future the right way or the way that Jeff Holcomb thinks. Right. Well, I, I probably wasn't that idealistic at the point I was running, um, but I got that idealistic once I got in there. Um, and one of the things that, that really kind of um, concerned me and, and troubled me, actually, to be honest with you, was when we did the 2015 budget, is that the, the animosity towards our law enforcement was, you know, it, I couldn't understand it. You know, what's your job if you're running the government in Hernando County is to keep people safe. You know, if you're, in, if you're a school board member, it's to educate the students. Um, you know, as a commissioner, we need to worry about our economy, yes. Uh, we need to worry about our taxes, but if you're not going to keep the people safe, what are you doing? And I think, you know, having, having a military background, you know, I've worked a 12-hour shift. I, I've, uh, I've, 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 I've held a post where, you know, you need to do your job right because there's a potential that lives could be, you know, in jeopardy if, if you know, things go really south. So, you know, having that respect for them because, you know, I, I myself would specifically watch things that, that, that ISIS does, that, that the Taliban do, because I want to know how evil are these guys. And so our law enforcement go through that daily. I mean, I would see things sporadically. You know, obviously with deployed, you could see it a lot more, but, you know, these men and women, they see it a lot more, you know, in law enforcement and how you're going to try and beat up the sheriff um, and not want to give him the money to, to help his men and women do their job was, was beyond me. And, and I, I think I had a little bit of a rant in the 2015 budget, budget time um, that, you know, the law enforcement, I think, really gained some respect for me. And, and I really didn't think it was like that, but it, apparently it was. Well, you know, people moving down to any, anywhere, moving anywhere, I, one of the couple of questions they would have, and they usually will look into statistics or call the local chamber of commerce, or, uh, is what is our crime rate right. and what is our school scores. Yes. Uh, yes. If we have the education and educated workforce and kids and, 
and also, you know, again, the crime rate. If that's all low and in check, then we are, uh, we are very good candidates for people to move and come into this community. Exactly. And we have a, um, we have a very good sheriff, and he's not, he's not the type that's got, trying to go out and buy, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, armored vehicle that some SWAT team can roll up in. You know, he, he's a very conservative person. Uh, his department's that way. Um, I think the stat that he puts out that, you know, we're the bottom third, you know, in the state in per capita spending on law enforcement. So he's not out there wasting the money and, and why that some members have treated him hostily is, is beyond me. It's something I never understood. So, Well, with that, uh, what skills have you received that prepared you for being a county commissioner? You know, this was something that you just, some things you just don't learn until you're sitting in the seat. But I will tell you that, that my intelligence training on dealing with human, uh, human intelligence was probably the, the best piece of background knowledge that I had going into that. Because I think some folks after 2015, uh, I know it must be true, because they started coming to me and saying, you know what, this is a problem. There's something going wrong here, something going wrong with this department. And so when, when someone comes, if someone were to come to you and say, I got information that says, that, let's say, corruption, so how do you take that information and, and use it to, to fix it without, you know, putting me in a situation where I'm now exposed? So you have to get the information. You have to be able to use it in a way that doesn't expose the person who gave it to you. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that I used a lot. Um, and back in 2015, I, I remember that we got a contractor suspended. or I was lead, led the charge to get him suspended because of all the nefarious things that, that I was being told about from different department folks. So I guess you investigated the allegations, yep. and then when it, it, when it, if it was founded, then you proceeded to make the changes that needed to be done. It, it was found to be true, and it took two years, unfortunately. Um, the contractor's been banned. Uh, the wife of the contractor was arrested. I don't think anything ever came through with that, because I think they really wanted... The, the husband of the wife, um, but it cost the county a, a, a good bit of dollars um, from all the things that would, had it happened, and, and three folks lost their jobs in the county. Now, you alluded to the financial woes of 2015. Mm -hmm. For some of, the, some of the viewers today who say, are we in financial trouble with the county? Is the county, or I should say, is the county in financial troubles of 2015 again? No. Um, we are not in, we had a situation where we had our budget director retired two years ago. And there was a person, in, you know, behind, you know, in, this, in, our, in our county office who was given the job. And to be honest, I think the job was just over her head. Um, not trying to be disrespectful to her, but, um, and there was things that, she, you know, she wasn't doing properly, and it took some other related offices who were dealing with accounting and finance, you know, in the county to start raising the red flags and saying, there's some things going wrong. And it wasn't until it's either late October or November of this year where all the commissioners were, were informed of what was going on. Um, and it ended up being about a four, it's like a four to five million dollar um, Basically, we overestimated revenues, and we, un and, so we, and we got a lot less expenses. And some expenses were put in the wrong columns on the spreadsheet. So 
uh, ended up being about four, four to five million dollar debt. I know that some reports that it's four, it was 14. It was never 14. I think that was just some information that got out to kind of scare um, some different people, but it was never 14. The real number was always down right around four million, I think. Um, but again, we, we had to remove someone from their position because it, it, they, they weren't doing their job. Uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, I was glad that the board was able to do that. Well, it took a little while, but finally, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's a very long uh, response. But, you know, when we're dealing with sunshine laws, I can't talk to the other four commissioners. We can only have conversations when it's out in the public. And if, you know, when, when one commissioner says something that he was willing, basically said he was willing to, to fire the budget manager, another commissioner said, you know, I'm, I'm with you. And so I was the third one that said, I, I absolutely agree with, with the other two commissioners. And then, you know, the county administrator basically, you know, saw that we had no confidence. So, um, so things are, we are, I think in September, um, we have things very well in hand. We pretty much know how things are going. The reserves are a little less than our, than our um, it's not really a requirement, but it's something, it's a policy. Uh, but we'll get back there in the next year or so. Well, the reserves would be a reflection if financially could, we'd all like to triple mm -hmm. our reserves privately and I'm sure the government. But it is what it is when the economy is what it is. Right. But going forward, we're, we're, we're solvent and we're strong. We're solid, strong. Okay. Um, the sheriffs, um, you know, we worked out the SROs and, and uh, I'll give, um, you know, our board, when no, one, no other board had probably talked about it in the state of Florida, our board had already approved SROs right after, you know, the shooting in, in South Florida. Yeah. So we were, we were right there. We said, you know, we're going to make it happen. And, and that number actually comes out of reserves, you know, but that's what reserves are there for. They're, they're there for emergencies. They're there for hurricanes. Um, they're there for a situation where we need to make sure that there's a deputy in every school. Because beyond, you know, hardening process, which is, you know, lots of money and lots of time to harden schools, if we can ever, if we can ever get there, um, having a, you know, a, a man or a woman sitting there, you know, fully equipped with, with um, you know, the sheriff's office, uh, that's the best we could do for the short time. On the hardening of the schools and, and the, uh, the offices that are assigned to the schools to protect our children, uh, is that something that the commissioners... Uh, oversee or is that a separate is that just the sheriff's department to go uh, find out how to harden our existing schools and budget well it's um you know Tallahassee also you know sent in extra money that they hadn't done before uh, number one because they'd required SRO so they they put the money into their budget the school board's budget to pay for that um, they've also added some other money that could be used for for hardening of schools, but it's a very it's a very difficult thing to harden schools because if you look at it, I mean, schools were built to be an open place in a, in a neighborhood for the most part. Um, and some, you know, we got some on Mariner, we got some, you know, on Deltona. You know, these are these are fairly well in 19, obviously roads that are well traveled. So, how do you you know do you put up a wall around them? I mean, but I'll tell you, McDill Air Force Base. You know, watching the changes over the years, you know. The base isn't, I wouldn't say it's hardened, but the perimeter is secure. So there's no doubt about it. So if you, if you, if you try and jump a fence or you try and go through the gate, you're not going to get very far.
No, not at all. So is, is that something that the commissioners have an input in, or is that just basically from the sheriff's department working in tandem with the uh, Hernando County uh, education system? We actually, well, if, uh, for those who don't know, that there's, a, there's something called a guardianship um, program, and then there's an SRO. So a guardian is uh, someone who's had a certain amount of hours training, and, and from all, what I'm understanding is that their job is going to be, you know, to be able to be there to either prevent or to end an active shooter situation. So they're not an SRO, they're not an actual deputy in the school trying to break up a fight. They're not trying to um, Baker Act someone. They're not trying to, um, you know, anything in regards to that. They're, they're there for an active shooter situation. So that decision is between the school board and the sheriff as to decide whether do you want SROs, do you want a guardian program, how do you want those broken up um, between the different schools. So that's our school board and the sheriff um, talked about 100% um, SROs and so that's what we have. And, and we as a county commission board, we are going to cover two months of those SROs uh, for the times that they're not uh, in school during the summer months. That's good. It's all about keeping the kids safe in an environment and not make them scared to go to school. Right, right. Uh, how many, for those who don't know, how many commissioners are there in, for Hernando County? There are five commissioners in Hernando County. Um, the, the districts are supposed to be broken up based on population. Um, so District 4 is South Central Hernando. District 5 is basically everything east. Um, District 1 is kind of just um, right around, basically it's Timber Pines and the surrounding areas there. District 2 is everything south of that, and then District 3 is, is north of, of that, the, uh, the Glen Lakes, the, uh, um, and the area up there north of 50 until you get to Brooksville. Thank you for that. The, how many people are on the commissioner's staff? Are you, do you have a staff? Do you get a staff? We don't have a staff. Okay. <laughs> and, and so when you do, and I said that to, that, um, you know, when you reach out to a commissioner, you know, you know, with the with media and everything and email, you know, folks expect a response pretty quickly. And I will tell you, there's times when when we have a very controversial issue going on, those people who are dealing with the controversial issue, they'll fill up your inbox, they'll fill up your voicemail. And so if you're, you know, John Doe and you're like saying, hey, um, my trash didn't get picked up today, you know, it's like, and maybe you don't get a response. It's, it's, it's you know, I think the commissioners do a pretty good job you know, because I just hear what they, what, you know, what they publicize to people in our meetings. But, you know, sometimes it's tough. It's, you know, never hurts to, uh, to ring them up again one way or another that, you know, especially in those times when there's, the meetings are coming up and it's, you know, controversy in the air. Well, w would you um, recommend that the regular citizens uh, for their own education purpose come down to any one of the Commission board, uh, board meeting, and I guess they, they sit down and they listen to the business of Hernando right. County. Sometimes it's an eye opener for those who are out of, outside the box to know a little bit more uh, about what the county their, what the county faces yeah. to, on a daily basis. And basically, the county we're, you you're we're entrusting the county's business to the county commissioners, yeah. five of you, uh, to vet out and right. discuss in public uh, the, the things that come to your commissioners meetings. 
Well, I would, I, yeah, I would advise the citizens to get involved. Um, obviously, it's on TV. It's on um, Spectrum Cable Channel 644. Um, you know, our, our chambers are generally don't have many people in there. And, you know, as a commissioner, you don't know if that means that nobody's paying attention or everyone's watching on TV, uh, you know. But I, I can tell you when you go out and campaign, you know, there's just, you know, from the questions you get or just the people who don't know, you know, anyone involved in our county government. Um, it's, it's a little discouraging sometimes when, you know, folks, you know, really don't know what's going on in their county. So, I would be, I would, I'd probably be scared if someone watched every meeting and every minute, but, or came down all the time, but, you know, have a sense of what's going on, have a, have a sense of who your, who your elected leaders are, because, you know, we say, you hear people say all the time, it's a democracy. It's not a democracy. It's a democracy who you elect for a commissioner or a school board. That's your democracy. Once you elect them, they're a rep, it's a representative republic representing you, and you should always, you know, keep tabs on and your representative to make sure they're representing, you know, the people in, in the way you want to be represented. Well, you'd be surprised. Some people don't know the local officials, and you'd be surprised sometimes they don't know the state officials. Yes. And you'd be even more surprised sometimes people don't know our federal officials. Right, so right. So it's... Uh, uh. What surprised you when Jeff Holcomb, when you first sat in your seat as a new county commissioner for District 4. What surprised you where you're at and how does that feel? Well, I, I touched on part of that earlier, but I'll, I'll, I'll say and I'll talk about another incident that, um, um, you know, there was a commissioner who got himself involved in illicit activities um, with a young lady and drug using, um, and that came before the board. Or, you know, obviously the next meeting after, after it was publicized, uh, there was, um, you know, all in the newspaper and everything. And the board basically rallied around him. And he was the chairman at the time. And the board, two, two commissioners said, I completely support him. Uh, everyone makes mistakes, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, this gentleman is the chairman of the Board of County Commissioners. He represents our county to the state, to Tampa Bay region. Uh, he signs documents that, you know, any lawsuits that are settled, he signs them. Anything that we're involved in, he, he's signing the document, he's the face of the county. And I just thought that was pretty appalling. And, and I asked him to step down as chairman while, you know, either the story goes away or, 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 you know, the legal process works through. And they basically told me I was all alone. So that, that's the first time that, that, you know, it's like, okay. You know, they're like, and they basically said, you're all alone. And I said, that's fine. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'm fine with that. So, um, you know, it's happened to a few other things, but, you know, some of the recent elections have made things a, a little bit differently. And so the board is going uh, very, very well and going forward. What's the best part about being a commissioner? Or what was the, so far, your crowning achievement you feel that you could be proud of your legacy up to this point that, Jeff Holcomb had a hand in doing or bringing about? Well, that hasn't come to full fruition yet, but, uh, but it's actually it's something I got, I got started on uh, before I deployed. And, and really, it, you know, it, it, it kind of just comes from a phone call or an email. Um, it, I think it may be someone who knew me told me to, you know, talk to this person. And 
was basically Anderson Snow Park. You know, we had some soccer fields that were in very, they were deteriorating. Um, you know, and with six lighted fields, that's a real asset that we can take advantage of in this county. So I was able to authorize $100,000 to come to the Parks Department for these soccer fields, and then they in turn were able to um, also get some grant money, and we were able to work on getting those soccer fields fixed. And I will tell you right now, um, I think today, there's even more grass being added to those soccer fields. Um, and then Veterans Park has also uh, had more sod to the soccer fields. So really, you know, as, as I go into the next term, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, really, you know, the Parks Department is where I really want to make a lot of improvements, um, you know, within, within the parks that we have, obviously improve them and, and look to see what else is available. Um, I've met some really, really um, awesome folks. Um, we've started a, a, a 501c3 called the Friends of the Parks. Uh, Mr. McKittrick, a good friend of yours, is, is part of that. Uh, and that guy's, that guy's, wow, he's a superstar. Yes, Jimmy is. But, uh, <coughs> but I'm really excited about what, what this 501c3 can do. Because obviously, you know, government only has so much money. There's only so much to spread around. We're going to spread as much as we can to the parks. And, but, you know, to have something like that, being able to, you know, uh, fix a little league field or add some lights to a field or, or bring in a tournament, which is really a, an economic boost to the entire county, or, or fix some, you know, some swing sets that are just out of date and, uh, and need to be replaced. So for our viewers, this, this 501c3 is private money right. that will help and work alongside whatever the county's budget is allowing to exactly. do so. So if it needs a little bit more, you can get that other uh, right. foundation yep. involved in completing a project that maybe it was too expensive for the county. Exactly, okay. exactly, yep. And uh, I think you're involved in some charities too that are also <laughs> doing some very similar things. Uh, I know I hear a lot of talk about a splash park and that's awesome. Um, we're actually looking at a special pot of money to, to be a part of that from the county. Um, and that's fantastic because, you know, that actually, if you think of that whole Anderson Snow Park, I, I believe it was um, um, Mr. Foreman, uh, our, our resident lawyer, Rob Foreman, his yes. dad, um, uh, really spearheaded that from, from my knowledge. And, you know, I mean, government's good at some things. Hopefully we're good at safety. Uh, hopefully we're good at fixing roads. But, you know, we need the community's involvement in, in many areas of, of Absolutely. Community. And I believe that original park plan showed a uh, swimming pool, community swimming pool, in the original plans. Hopefully that one day will come with Citrus has three, and we would be lucky to put at least right. one. Right now, we all depend on the YMCA. Right, right. So, uh, looking to accomplish for next term. Yeah, I mean, the parks is really where my focus is going to be. Obviously, you know, I ran to keep our government uh, within the bounds of our economic growth. You know, if we're growing at 6.4%, which is what, what we um, budgeted on uh, this coming year, you know, our government shouldn't be growing at 7, 8, 9, 10%. You know, that's, that's always, you know, going to be a problem from a tax standpoint because the only way you get the money is you get it from uh, the citizens, whether it's through property taxes, et cetera. So, um, you know, want to be, want to be there, want to be good, fiscally sound, uh, and then work in our community everywhere we can to, to fill the gaps that the government, you know, can't do. So here's a tough question. With the population growing, and, and of course, and the, and the taxes the way they are, 
can we maintain or how, how long do you think you can maintain the current services for the citizens of Hernando County without increasing revenue or other revenue sources to come in other than everybody's, you know, the, the bad word starts with a T. Right. Uh, but at some point, re reality, I mean, we've been so, we've been running so long with services that we've all go grown accustomed to and, and nobody wants budget cuts in that services because it's going to affect someone. Mm -hmm. at how long do you think before we would have to look at alternatives or cutbacks, if, if at all? You know, as long as the economy is going well, um, I don't see any, any need for setback or uh, for cutbacks. Um, because think about it, you know, the most, the biggest, one of the biggest taxes, you know, our citizens face is their property tax. Now, we are trying very hard as a board, and I think I can speak for all, all five commissioners, is that none of us want to increase property tax. But we're dealing with a, you know, a property tax rate of 6.8912. So we're trying to keep that flat. And, and maybe, you know, as the economy gets even better, maybe there's some times where we can decrease that rate. But what is increasing to the property owner is, while our rate's staying the same, you know, the property appraiser is going to be saying, oh, your $200,000 house is now worth two hundred and ten. So, you know, while their rate is not going up, their actual dollar amount of taxes is going to go up based on the, the appraised value of their home, which is, which is a, you know, as the economy is going up, you know, that's, that's good that your value is going, the, home, the value of your home is going up because if you ever wanted to sell it, you hopefully would want to get more money than you bought it for. But, you know, to the regular taxpayer, you're hoping that their paycheck's going up, but you're also knowing that, you know, with their property value going up, their, their tax rate that they're, you know, writing to the county is going up. So our job is to keep the rate the same or flat or, or increase it so, you know, that number is not even any bigger than it has to be. So the primary is August 28th coming up. Yes, sir. And you're going to have the, you're going to have the last word. Tell our viewers why should they vote for Commissioner Jeff Holcomb, District 4, for another term as county commissioner here in Hernando County. Well, uh, I think I've earned from a standpoint of um, lower taxes, conservative government, I think I've earned uh, four more years. Uh, we got more plans to do really good things inside the community. Um, and one of the things that I've touted on the campaign trail is that that yes, I'm a commissioner, but what I've really been able to do is my time as a commissioner is to spend a lot more time in the community helping other groups, whether it's Habitat for Humanity or, or you know, different Operation Backpack. Operation Backpack. Great, great to sit there and just hand out stuff to folks that are in need uh, to get them prepared for school. Um, you know, whether it's Canine Partners for Patriots, you know, those folks doing great things for, uh, for military veterans, you know. All of those things that you can get involved with, and sometimes it's just I can promote them a little bit, but sometimes, you know, I can really spend time and money uh, to help those groups. And that's what's really rewarding uh, in between that and really wanting a conservative government that is looking out for the people and giving the people a voice. I mean, you know, I haven't been able to, you know, solve every problem or, or fix everything that's been emailed or called to me. Not that I probably ever will, but, uh, but I do, you know, do my best to try and answer those calls and, and Give that response to the citizens. Thank you. 
Well, Commissioner Jeff Holcomb, I thank you for coming today, and we wish you all the very best in the upcoming election thank you. on the 28th. And uh, you've been watching On Point, and I'm your host, Richard Sanvenero. Join us next time.